We are starting a new series here at Reckless called The Struggle is Real. Right now, is the struggle real? The struggle is real. All right. This generation faces probably more struggles than any generation in our recent history. This generation faces things with um, identity problems, drug and alcohol problems, maybe, maybe mental illness problems like never before. The struggle in our generation, and I say our because I'm right at, I'm just a little older than you guys. The struggle in this generation is real. This series that we're going to go into for the next couple weeks is aimed and targeted to these struggles. But before we go into any other struggles, we want to kind of get a baseline, get an idea about what the, what the baseline struggle, or maybe what all these struggles might root in. And if we know what these struggles are rooted in, then we can better kind of see, okay, well, why is this a struggle? Or why is this a problem in my life? So we're going to start really quick with um, kind of asking ourselves a question. You might have talked about this in small group, but who are you? Who are, who are you? Not, not your name, but who are you? Who do people know you for? What's your identity? What is your identity? Really quick, you might have done this in small group already, but for those of you who didn't, turn to the person next to you in about 10 seconds and tell them three things about you. Go. All right, that probably wasn't three. That might have only been two because you guys are so interesting. I know you could only muster two. So you can talk about, we're going to come back to that. So just kind of have an idea. Try to remember what you said, but we're going to come back to that. So recently, me and Hannah, my fiance, went to the movies. We went on a movie date, and I was like, Hannah, come, come, come with me to see this movie, Split. Who's seen Split? All right, I was like, hey, we're going to go see this movie, Split. It's going to be awesome. I don't know really what it's about, but the previews look great. So all all of you who might have already seen it, I'm going to kind of, you know, this is going to be old news to you. But those of you who haven't, Split is a movie about a man, a single man with 23, really 24 different personalities, identities living within him. At one moment, this guy's one, one person. And at the next, mentally, he's a completely different person. He's talking to that person, talking about that person. It's wild. All right, so this guy kidnaps three young girls and holds them hostage. But really, it's only one of the personalities, personalities that does that. So at one moment, these girls are talking to a OCD, serial killer, possibly kidnapper, criminal. And then the next, they're talking to basically an eight-year-old boy who's innocent and just wants to hang out and talk in this grown man's body. Now, as the movie goes on, these personalities start to contradict each other. They start to kind of not line up. They don't all agree on the same thing. Some of them are trying to maybe help the girls or show compassion for the girl, for the girls. And then this other is basically a monster, but it's the same body, same person. So how in the world could one guy with all these personalities at one point be trying to help these girls, then trying to kill them? Well, medically speaking, this man had a disorder 
called dissociative identity disorder. Again, medically speaking, it's very rare. Only 1%, we now believe about 1% of the population, I say we, not like I'm on the board of people who decide percentages of disorders. I say maybe they, but they say that maybe 1% of the global population is affected with this disorder. Dissociative identity disorder. Medically speaking, these people don't know their identity. Now, although that's an extreme case, and most likely no one in here will ever be affected by that disorder, nor know anyone that would ever be affected by that disorder, it really can relate to us on the day-to-day struggle of our identity. You might be saying, well, are, you trying to, are we trying to figure out if this is a disorder I have? No, that's, that was just an example. But keep that, keep that in mind. So maybe this, isn't, maybe this isn't you. Maybe it is you and you don't think it's you. But maybe you know someone, and like I said, maybe it is you who really struggles with all these different identities. And if you don't think you have them, let me walk you through a normal day as a high schooler, at least from what I remember. So you wake up in the morning, maybe it's a, say it's a Wednesday morning, say it's this morning, you wake up, you're grumpy, mostly grumpy, probably mad at the world because you didn't get to sleep, that was me. You go into first, you, did, you go into first period, homeroom teacher, whatever, you're just really just trying to get, you're just trying to get through to, to lunch, just get through to something else. You don't want to talk to anyone. Maybe, maybe that's, in that moment, your identity. But all of a sudden, lunch rolls around, and we kind of pick up a new identity. We're with these people at lunch, and uh, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the crowd that we think we would look cool if we hung out with. Maybe we don't like these people, but we want to sit at that table because everyone knows about that table, and that's the table if you're someone you want to sit at. And if you're not anyone, you don't sit at that table. Maybe that's your identity. You're one of those people at that table at lunch. Well, you go on through the day and you get to practice or whatever your after-school activity is. And maybe you're an athlete. You put on the uniform of an athlete. Maybe you go to whatever, whatever practice it is and you're trying to impress that coach or maybe it's impress the parent who wants you to be there but you don't want to be there. But you're all of a sudden putting on that identity. You're the athlete, the whatever. Maybe you plan to go to college one day for that sport. And that's what you've surrounded your life about is, is that identity. Well, then practice ends and you go, to, you go home and it's, you know, we're about to come to revolution, reckless here on Wednesday nights. So you get some homework done really quick. You know you want to be a, an, an honor student. So you run and you get your homework done and you write a paper, whatever you got to do, the short amount of time you have before you have to come to church. So you get that done really quick. You turn all your stuff in. You're ready. You're a good student. Maybe that's your identity. Maybe you're the good student. Although you were just the athlete, although you were just the cool kid, although you were just the grumpy person, now you're about to pick up this last identity. This is the one that confuses people the most because it kind of contradicts a lot of the other identities that we still try to hold on to. We come to church and we grab our Bible and we put on this, this mask of, hey, I'm going to hang out with my church friends now. This is my church friends time. This is my church. Nothing else matters, which is good. But if we take that as our identity. Yeah, this is just, you know, uh, yeah, reckless. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm reckless now. And we don't, 
really follow through with that, it can kind of be confusing. It can really be an identity crisis. And this really is not a new problem. This isn't anything that all of a sudden our generation is is facing, although it might be more complicated and complex now. This isn't anything new. If we look back to the Bible, in Philippians 3, we find a guy named Paul. A lot of you know Paul. Paul was once Saul. He used to kill Christians. According to people, his identity was a Pharisee. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was just, according to Jewish law, he was without fault. Flawless. But one day when Paul is walking down the road to Damascus, this guy who had all these identities, he was, he was basically elite for that time. He would have been like a, a celebrity. He's walking down the road and Jesus, the guy he killed people for who followed him, changed Paul's life radically. He was Saul. He's now Paul. Paul's life was radically changed when he met Jesus. And honestly, that's like a lot of you guys today. I'm sure most everyone here, I would hope everyone here was not a maniac who killed Christians at one point before you met Jesus, like Saul. But Paul was later on used by Jesus for incredible things. Check this out. He wrote the book of Colossians. Now, the book of Colossians is a letter. So if we're flipping through the Bible and we go to Colossians, we'll see that Paul wrote the book, which is actually formatted as a letter to the church. So as you would start off any letter, you write who it's from, the letter, who it's to, just as a letter would be written. So if if I was going to write a letter to you guys, I might write Tyler, the intern at Westridge, intern at student ministry, whatever. You would kind of add a title or an identity with that. So it wasn't just any Tyler. Check out in Corinthians 1.1 how Paul addresses himself, how he identifies himself. This is the guy who was the Pharisee. This is the guy who uh, was, was, was killing Christians, the Hebrew of Hebrews. Jesus changed his life. He now identifies himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and our brother Timothy. That's in one one. Paul earlier in his life had many great titles, titles that would have been respected among all the people back then. Some hated, but mostly respected. He would have been an elite status. Paul actually later in Philippians calls all those titles he did have rubbish. They mean nothing. None of those man-given titles mean nothing because he's now, his identity is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. How many times have I ever in my life referred to myself as Tyler a follower of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Nice to meet you. How many times have I ever done that? How many times have any of us ever done that? Identified ourselves as that. We might think it, but have we ever wrote a letter to someone and said, from Tyler, 
follower of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, smiley face. Smiley face. That's what Paul did. Basically, in today's terms, what he's saying is his old titles meant nothing to him. So maybe we don't have Pharisees. We don't have Hebrews of Hebrews. But this is, might be what this would be compared to. Some of the titles we might try to achieve. Tyler, the most interesting man in the world. That'd be a nice one to have. Tyler, the Super Bowl champion and MVP. I know there's a Falcons joke in there somewhere, but it's too soon. Tyler, the president of the free world. Now, although those titles and identities are great, and a lot of people work really hard to achieve them, they're going to fade. They're going to come and go, and someone's going to jump right into that place right when you're done. Paul understands That follower of Jesus Christ, apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God is the only identity he's ever going to have. It's not going to fade. It's not going to weaken. It's not going to, it's going to be there for eternity. So if that's not enough, check out my boy John. Who's heard of John? Anyone heard of John? That's a name that we, we, we see a lot in the Bible. So let me read you this really quick. John 13, 23. One of them the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. I'm going to read it again. You can probably see it on the screen. Check this out. The disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. Well, we know, to give you guys context, that's John. The disciple whom Jesus loved there is John. But guess who wrote the book of John? John. John wrote the book of John, and he's referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, some might say John's kind of a narcissist, but I say John knew who he was. Check this out. John 19, 26. When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom Jesus loved was standing nearby. John 21, 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. He was loved by Jesus And the name John had no significance to him anymore. The name John meant nothing. He was the guy who Jesus loved. How many times, again, have I said, hey, I'm Tyler. Jesus loves me. I'm the guy who Jesus loves. And you are too. That's our identities if we're Christ followers. But we tend to take whatever this world has to offer instead of those. Paul and John knew who they were, and they didn't want any other title. Maybe they knew that the one thing that would move God the most is their understanding of God's love for them rather than their love for God. Check this out. John three sixteen. It does not say, for we so love God that he sent his son. It says, for God so loved us. Whether we love him or not, For God so loved us that he sent his son. You see, too often we find ourselves wrapping our identities in what we're good at, what we can do, what people know that we're good at or can do. The five-star recruit 
the honor student, the head cheerleader, the teacher pet, the good kid, the bad kid, the class clown. For the most part, a lot of these probably get thrown around a lot. Maybe you've been one of these. Maybe you've been the five-star recruit, the honor student, the head cheerleader, the teacher's pet, the good kid, the bad kid, the class clown. But who really are we? What if as Christ followers, we settled on the fact that nothing would please God more than us totally understanding who we are? See, sometimes we define ourselves by the wrong people or maybe the wrong things. And here's a test for that. Name something that's going to fade, is going to become out of style, is going to no longer be cool. And ask yourself if you associate yourself with that and that's considered your identity. Unfortunately, my friends, hipster is a trend. If I'm Tyler the hipster, one day I'm going to be Tyler the out of style, weird wearing clothes dude that's no longer a hipster. Hipsters change now. If I put my identity in that, it's going to fade. It's going to be gone. For those of you in the room who's accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer slave to your identities of this world. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the five-star recruit that one day is going to grow old and you can't run and you can't jump like you did? Or are you the Christ follower that in 50 years you'll still be the same Christ follower and the God-loved person that you are today? That's not going to fade. Even when we die, that continues. But if you're banking on being the five-star recruit and that's your identity, or you're banking on being the good kid or the teacher's pet or the head cheerleader, or even the bad kid, heaven forbid if that's what the the identity you want, that's going to fade. Who are you? You know, I'm sure when when we had a time that we were able to tell, you know, our friends just earlier what we were best at, you know, I'm sure you guys probably had some pretty cool things, some pretty cool accomplishments, kind of what you were about, what made you who you were. But at the end of the day, just to be real with you guys, if we're getting a baseline for why the struggle is real and we're trying to work our way up from there, Unless you said, I'm a child of God and I'm just looking to tell the world about him. There's really not much else that we can identify ourselves with other than that. Reckless, what is our identity? Are we the student ministry that's cool and that it's fun to come to? We've got great music. We've got a lot of people. Are we the student ministry that loves God, we're Christ followers, and we're looking to tell everyone in this community about him? Because anything other than that, reckless as our identity, it'll fade. As we go into a time of worship, I want you to be really real with yourself. I want you to be real with who you are. You know, maybe someone in the room earlier, like we said, you know, you can't wait a couple weeks because we're talking about drugs and alcohol or we're talking about mental illness. Those are some struggles for you. But I promise you, if we can kind of understand who we are, 
who God says Christ followers are, then the, the coming weeks are going to make a little bit more sense. That's why we're talking about this now. So as we worship, get it on your mind, get it on your heart. Who are you? Are you who you say you are? Are you who God says you are? Let's be real with ourselves, guys. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time you've given us to come and worship you, God, to listen to to your words, God, again. These words are not my words. They're not my thoughts, God. These are yours. My thoughts mean nothing. Yours are so much higher than mine. God, I thank you for these students that have came here. God, there's so many struggles in this room right now. There's struggles that that I used to go through. There's struggles that I will go through. God, it's a big mix in here of all of them. God, I ask that as we go through this series, the struggle is real. God, we're honest with ourselves. We're real with ourselves. God, if we don't if we don't have Jesus in our life, if we're not a Christ follower, our identity is not that great because we're just relying on things of this world. God, but if we follow if we follow your son, God, if we are a Christ follower, that'll never fade and there's nothing in this world that has any significance other than that. And we there's, there's nothing better to put our identity in. God, we thank you for these students as we go into a time of worship. Let's be real, let's be honest, and let's worship you. In your name we pray, amen.